Good evening, and thank you for joining us for Mental Health Let's Talk About It. I am your host, Charlene Pickram, the owner of Pick Empowerment, and you're tuned into CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. And today I have Ashley McGinnis in the studio with me. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So Ashley and I just uh, went to a local coffee shop and sat down and chatted for an hour <laughs> and caught up because we are old friends. And um, we actually decided that we wanted to, you know, come together here and, and tape the show and talk about Ashley's perspectives and experience with mental health. Yeah. So what, what do you want listeners to know about your experiences with mental health and mental illness? Perfect. Yeah. So I'm not a mental health care expert. Uh, I'm not, uh, I don't work directly with mental health care, but I am a human being who has mental health needs and have experienced some mental illness uh, in my life personally, as well as friends and family. So it's something I feel very, very passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is something that you know, once you've experienced it, does become, I think, a passion. And um, you really want people to understand other people's perspective and experience with mental health and mental illness. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I'm a freelance writer. I talk a lot about my own personal journey uh, on my blog, which is IamAshleyMI.com, as well as through Erica M's Yummy Mummy Club. <laughs> so I've had, um, I've really been very fortunate to meet some great people who have really opened my eyes to a lot of things in mental health. Um, having gone through mental health and uh, mental illness myself over the last few years, I really want to champion um, and be a voice for people who may feel like they're not quite ready to share um, mm. to help sort of normalize this conversation that I just think is so important. Yeah. And, and we talk about that a lot, you and I, Ashley, about how, you know, society seems to have this real hard time having a conversation about something that is just so normal to such a vast number of us in society but you know it's like we said you don't have a problem talking about cancer you don't yeah. have a problem talking about you know you had to go in to see the gynecologist for god's sake but yet we cannot have a conversation about our mental health and how mental illness impacts us or family members so so why do you think that is because you weren't always on this side of the fence I wasn't. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I think um, for me, really looking back, I was dealing with anxiety when I was much younger, when I was a child, but I didn't have a word for it. Mm. And it was almost a blessing and a curse in a way <laughs> to, to, go, um, to go through such a really tough time. And I went to my doctor and sat down and he said, you have crippling anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I can't. I can't have crippling anxiety. I have a, I have great mom and dad and a, I have a beautiful, healthy child and a job and this. And he said, that doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to remember cancer doesn't discriminate. That's Hypertension right. doesn't discriminate. Diabetes, all of these illnesses are illnesses and mental illness is no different. So anxiety, depression, bipolar, these are real illnesses. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we've just categorized them differently. Yeah. And it's sort of that old school mindset that we were talking about is push it down, push it down, push it down, mm -hmm. take care of everything else. And then if you have a little bit of energy left, you can focus on you. Yeah. And I'd really like to see us flip the script on that. Because when you're feeling really good, you're able to do really well. Yes. And, and that's something that it, 
it's a behavioral thing. It takes practice. As I mentioned, I'm really not great at that. <laughs> I tend to, uh, to kind of run myself into the ground sometimes and just being aware and having some tools and strategies to help ensure that I don't run myself right into burnout zone again is really mm-hmm. important, but also not to be afraid of pushing myself outside of that little comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. We, I call them stretch goals. So oh, I like that. Yeah, so they're goals that really, uh, I guess, challenge you, but challenge you in a psychologically safe way. Right. They're achievable, but you still have to exert yourself to achieve that goal. I love that. Mm. Because we do that with fitness, right? So we exactly. were talking earlier about running. So I do distances now. And mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, 5K was a big distance for me. And now I'm doing half marathons. Yeah. And it, it's the same. It's you have to push yourself a little bit and your legs are going to be tired afterwards or they might even ache a bit. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it is the same idea of sort of stretching your own limits a little bit without, you know, you can't go out and run a marathon the first time you've ever run. You're not going to be able to do it. So picking a goal that's attainable and working towards that yeah. um, and with help. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so er, as we know, everything is easier with support. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... And what you're talking about, you know, about the running and that, you know, it's something that you have to pace yourself with, but you do want to feel exhausted. You do want to feel that you pushed yourself that little bit and that, and that builds your self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. You know, you plan this goal, now you've achieved it. Yeah. And now that's another success story for your bucket. Yes. Yeah. And then it helps with your confidence and it helps you feel like you've overcome something. Yeah. So I often think of things that are really stressing me out. So if I have a, a big presentation that I have to do at work, I worry about it for weeks beforehand. And then once it's done and, mm. you know, everyone is happy and I feel like I've accomplished something, it feels great and I'm ready to take on the next one. But it is that little bit of sort of picking something and going a little bit out of your comfort zone and yeah. then working really hard to nail it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then what's so great, Ashley, is that once you nail it, when you're challenged with something in the future, that you can think back about that other goal that you had assigned to yourself and say, hey, well, yeah, it was a little difficult, but man, I rocked it. Yeah. And I'm going to rock this too. And and it really gives you that motivation to move forward and be successful. It does. Yeah. I always look at it as my mental toolbox mm. sort of thing. So I have like my work toolbox, I have my parenting toolbox, which is a bit of a disaster. <laughs> I can never keep that one quite quite as clean as I would like to. But, you know, we would never build a house without making sure that we have all of the tools and the know-how, but then we're expected to build lives without necessarily having all of the tools in our toolbox from when we're small children. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've found that going to counseling and working with a mental health professional helps me to kind of fill up my toolbox and learn, you know, sort of how to put the walls up the right way and how to use my level and my hammer and my drill. And And I say to my son all the time, who's eight, when I first moved out on my own, my mom and dad gave me a little toolbox and it, I mean, I couldn't hurt myself with anything that was in it, but now I have a drill. Yes. (laughs) So it's, it's the little things when he is feeling a little bit anxious and doesn't want to do something, Mm -hmm. it's finding a way that he can cope. Like he needs, I can't do it for him as much as I would love to just be able to make it really easy for him. So Mm -hmm. starting to, starting to build those strategies and help him fill his toolbox now so that he's not, 
you know, in his 20s or his 30s or his 40s, still feeling the same way that he does right now when faced with something difficult. Mm -hmm. So sort of that idea of my little like proverbial toolbox, I call it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've learned from your own experience that you have the understanding it is so important to provide those strategies to Finley. Yeah. You know, because you don't want him to be in his 30s. Yep. Um, and feeling that, you know, anxious and all those dysregulated emotions and what do I do with them? Absolutely. And so when you, what was it specifically that got you into going to counseling? Well, I've gone more than once. So the first time I went to counseling and I I obviously couldn't see myself, but I imagine exactly what I looked like on this particular day. And I um, had been very young when I got married and when I had my son and my marriage ended and that was very stressful. And I just kept forging forward. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be great. I got this. I totally got this. And I went smack into a wall and I got up in the morning, bless my mom and dad's hearts. I got up in the morning and I was crying Mm. and I went to bed at night and I was still crying. I was so dehydrated. I got up the following morning and I just couldn't function anymore. I couldn't get myself breakfast. I was sick to my stomach. I had been up half the night and my mom looked at me and said, you have to go to the doctor. Mm. And I walked in and that was the day the doctor said, you have crippling anxiety. And I felt so relieved to have a name for it, but then also so embarrassed to Mm. say that that had happened to me. Yeah. And that I had gotten there. Um, So I went through canceling then, and that was about six years ago. And then last year, so in 2017, I had spent kind of a whole year trying to cope with a lot of health issues that I was having. Um, Single parenting is, Mm. is a challenge all by itself. And, you know, we had moved and I was in a new job that was very high stress. Um, I had a series of abnormal paps. We found some cancer cells. I freaked out. Mm. Um, But I didn't want to slow down at all. So I just sort of kept going and going and going. And I woke up one morning and I knew I couldn't keep going anymore. So I called my family doctor. I went in. I sat with her. My blood pressure was like 155 over like 110. I mean, it was crazy. I wasn't sleeping at night. And she said, you just need to slow down a little bit. Mm. So I elected to take a six-week leave of absence from work, which felt like a failure. Yeah. And had it been anything else, I don't know if I would have felt like a failure. Had I fallen and broken my leg, I wouldn't feel badly about taking time to let that heal. Mm -hmm. Um, But letting my mind heal was a lot harder for me to wrap my head around, both literally and figuratively. (laughs) But it was such a great experience. And, you know, burnout used to be kind of the cool thing you did in your dad's truck after school. But (laughs) burnout as an adult is not cool. Like, it's just nobody wants to be there. And I hope that I am never there again. Um, But I decided to go back to counseling. And I did, as we were discussing earlier, I did quite a long stretch. I did a program that was 20 weeks in length. And it had a lot of check-ins. Mm. And I remember, despite having gone to counseling once before, sitting in the office and thinking, you know, I'm going to go and lie on this chaise lounge and it's going to be kind of dark in the room and I'm going to be, you know, surrounded by academic books. And Mm -hmm. it was an office very similar to the room we're in now with some artwork on the walls. And we had a conversation just as you and I are. And 
once I got over feeling very ashamed of needing to be there, it mm-hmm. became something I looked forward to. Mm-hmm. And I really like I couldn't wait to go see her. And it was going to be a really great hour. And I didn't not that I don't have problems because there's no question I have lots of problems in my life, but I'm a very solutions oriented person mm-hmm. and I'm competitive as all get out. Yes. So I sat in that room and I came up with goals for myself and goals for my family and we strategized on how to make it work. Yeah. Um, I tend to be maybe a little too ambitious. So I'm like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds in seven days. Like, no, you're not. That's not going to happen unless you remove a limb. But, you know, went through, went through all kinds of different strategies and goals and really started filling my toolbox. And now I'm such a proponent of counseling them, walking around the office, like promoting our EAP to everyone. (laughs) And so when we come back, that's what we'll talk about a little bit more about what are the different ways that you can reach out yeah and and get help and we'll talk a bit about burnout too because i've experienced it as well yeah so you're listening to mental health let's talk about it i'm your host charlene pickram and we'll be back in a moment welcome back to mental health let's talk about it i'm charlene pickram the owner of pick empowerment and we are talking with ashley mcginnis and before we left for our break she was talking about being a big proponent of the eap program that is available at many workplaces but in her workplace in particular so why is the eap program something that you recommend well i love our eap um it's the second one that our organization has had so we moved from one provider to another um about a year ago and i think I was initially a little nervous about calling in and I had called in um, just looking for some some tools and tips on how to help my son overcome some things that he was going through mm-hmm. in school. And then I realized we had access to dietitians, nutritionists, lawyers, mm. uh, realtors, like everything that you can imagine. So it was such a massive resource pool yeah. for us to be able to call into. And because employers set these up, and pay into them. It's all free for employees to take advantage of. And then it can be moved over into your existing plan if you have coverage for things like therapy, counseling, and so on and so forth. But finding resources is so scary when you already feel like you're in a point of crisis. You can't see anything. You're totally in a fog. So I think for employers who have EAPs, really making making that known and Mm -hmm. and promoting it and helping people understand what is available to them is extremely important. But then also feeling comfortable taking advantage of it um, and knowing that it is confidential, that you can call in. Um, They have a crisis line as well most often. And then, of course, we have crisis lines locally here too that you could call into. But I love our EAP. We've used it several times, as I Mm -hmm. mentioned. And that's how I got started in my my full, you know, 20 week counseling program was through my EAP. Yeah. And it was, you know, I called in, they took some very basic information from me and someone called back within I think it was about 24 hours and mm-hmm. I had an appointment 2 days later. So yeah. it was really quick. Um they're they're able to find you a provider right in your neighborhood or close by very quickly and there's a huge network there. Yeah, yeah so it was great. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So the second time that I went to therapy, I also utilized the employee assistance program at my place of work. And I have to agree. I, you know, I called in, I didn't know what to expect. They took very brief information Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, within 24 hours, 
somebody contacted me and I had an appointment within two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was, and again, it was somebody who was local. It, I specifically asked for somebody who had experience in the child and youth care practitioner field because I really needed somebody to understand the context of the work that I was doing and how it was impacting me in such a negative way. Absolutely. And and they were able to find somebody who not only you know had the child and youth care themselves, but had worked within the context that I was working in years ago. And so it really, it just made me feel like I was truly understood when I was talking about the situations that I was facing on a day-to-day basis with work, which led to me being burnt out and having anxiety and depression. Yeah. And I also had to take not one uh, mental health leave, but two over my 20 years um, as a child and youth care practitioner. And... You know, trying to explain that to people, uh, you're off. Well, what are you off for? Yeah. Um, while I'm off because, you know, right now I just can't handle work. Um, you know, I'm, I feel emotionally unstable um, and I need to figure out why I feel this way. Yeah. And they were just kind of looking at you like... You grew a second head. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. You're... You know, you're educated. I can't believe you suffer with mental illness. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired too. Yeah. Str- work is always stressful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> Again, it's that, you know, being on the other side of the fence yeah. and not having that empathy and compassion because, one, you've never experienced it or you've never had a loved one that you've supported mm-hmm. through the process. And now you're going through it and you get it, but you just can't get other people to understand or to accept that yes. that is a part of life. Yep. Um, so, you know, overcoming the stigma. It's so important. Yeah, it really is. And I think we've been so conditioned to believe that stress is just like no one should be operating at the level of stress that I'm sure you were operating at and that I know I was operating at. Like that's not, stress is normal. Yes. Anxiety is normal. Sadness is normal. Anger, all of these, all of these feelings are very normal, but it's not normal when you can't function, mm-hmm. when you get to a point that you're just not able to cope and you're in complete disarray emotionally. And I think helping people understand that you really do get to that point and then there's no you can't forge forward anymore it really does feel like you've just run into a wall Mm -hmm. the first two days I was on leave I don't think I got out of bed yeah I really don't I got up to use the washroom and to get more food and then I climbed back into bed yeah Mm -hmm. and that's not me at all I'm bouncing off the walls all the time so when I'm sluggish and not able to participate in things I want to be participating in something's really wrong yeah and you know those first two days are like what's my purpose now? Yeah. What, what do I do with the six weeks? Because I've been, I've always had something to go to or a purpose or something to drive me and I don't have an internal drive anymore. Yeah. And it's scary. It is scary. And I had the added, um, both the complexity and the easiness of my son was away Mm. for, a good chunk of that six week period, he was gone for about two and a half weeks. And so those first 
two days, I didn't even have to parent. Mm. So I just had, I didn't have to adult. I didn't have to parent. I was just able to completely decompress really. And it took a long time to start to feel better. And then Halifax being such a small city and working in an organization that's quite large and having a very big network, Mm -hmm. I was terrified to leave the house because what if I run into someone and then I have to explain why you're off, why I'm off and And, you know, going to events that I really needed to go to, going out and doing things was an important part of me feeling better, (laughs) sort of getting back to, kind of getting back to zero, you could say. And one of the first times I went out, I ran into one of my colleagues and Mm -hmm. I wanted to leave. And my partner said, no, we're not leaving. Mm -hmm. And the colleague came over and didn't even know that I was off work. Like it was just completely. Yeah. Yeah. We're not as important. No, we, we no, we're not. No. (laughs) And, but it was such an important learning for me because Mm -hmm. when he realized I was off work, I got nothing from compassion and love from him. And was there anything he could do and how could he help support me? And don't worry about things at the office. It's not life or death in there. And that was so important for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine if you had run into another coworker who hadn't had that perspective Absolutely. and was willing to be compassionate and support you, where would that have taken you mentally? Yeah, I think if I ran into someone who wasn't open, it would have been so detrimental to my mm-hmm. getting better yeah. that I don't know if I would have been able to go back to work at the end of that leave, to be fully honest. Yeah. And now, because you are, you know, advocating for people to speak up and have a voice and advocate for themselves and others, you know, like you're saying with the employee assistance program, you have no problem going around through the office and going, hello, everybody, like, this is helpful, please, you know, reach out, yeah. because it helped me. Yeah, yeah. And I, to be totally honest, and unfortunately for the men in my office who felt really <laughs> uncomfortable, I was walking around singing the praises of pap tests. Oh, yeah. After having abnormal paps and finding cancer cells, I was like, everyone needs to go do this. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, it's that awareness piece, right? Once you become aware and accepting, yeah, it's like, I have no problem having a voice and announcing this and trying to help others. Absolutely. So in regards to, you know, the burnout and the anxiety that you were experiencing, you know, I think we'll just touch on that before our next break. But what's, what tools and strategies have you learned that are effective for you because as we know everybody has to come up with their own strategies that fit their lifestyle their needs but what have you discovered works for you uh for me we and you you're well aware of this i was previously a first responder and a volunteer firefighter and one of the first things you learn in any first aid is to triage a situation Mm -hmm. and so i triage the who's he what's it out of my life (laughs) So this is critical, that's not critical. And that's really how I separate what needs to be done and what can wait until later. So the floors being clean is not critical, but my kid (laughs) being fed is critical to me being happy or me being fed. Yes. So I really, I try to look at things in a very literal life or death, what is absolutely necessary right now and what Mm -hmm. can I kind of push to the side or what can I allocate to someone else. So I've gotten very good at asking for help, which is always hard to do at first, but with practice, like everything, it does get better. (laughs) Yeah, it does get better. And and that was my biggest thing. And it's the biggest thing I tell people that the first time I reached out and got help 
uh, for my depression and anxiety, it was grueling mm -hmm. because just like you, I felt like I was a failure yeah. and I felt that other people were going to judge me. And on top of the judgment that I already had myself, it was just like a spiral. And, um, you know, but after I got help, it was like, you know what? I don't really care what other yeah. people, like if they judge me, that's about them. That's yeah, exactly. It's not about me. Yeah. And, and I'm worth it. You know, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So important to recognize your worth and your need because you'd help someone else. Yeah. You helped other people for a living. That was what you dedicated your life to. Yeah. So being able to reach out for help then should seem like the natural kind of progression. And yet it's so hard for you to get over that. Yeah. Well, and so, and to get over being hypocritical. Yeah. Because yeah, for 20 years I was like, yes, ask for help. Yes, go to your counselor. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And then when it came down to me, because you're emotionally connected, yep. it is so much harder. It is. Yeah, big time. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Ashley McGinnis about um, looking after ourselves and the different tools and strategies that we have discovered that help us. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 FM. Thanks for staying tuned into CIOE 97.5 FM, Mental Health, Let's Talk About It. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, and I have Ashley McGinnis with me, and we've been talking about, uh, I guess, mental health yeah. and mental illness and how it has uh, impacted Ashley and what she's learned from the experience. And so we kind of talked about before the break, um, you know, different tools and strategies that you have adopted into your life to help you remain mentally well. Yeah. So what are you doing now on a regular basis? All right. Um, so I'll begin by saying that what works for me might not work for everyone. Um, and I know that we tend to look to others for ideas on how to, how to sort of manage these types of things. Um, Previously, I worked with my physician on medication and found a medication that had worked. Um, and when it no longer worked, I looked for new strategies. So mm -hmm. one of the very, uh, very big things for me is my me time. Uh, it's an ongoing joke at my house that I spend a lot of time in the bathtub. Uh, every night I have a bath and I will leave the dishes. I will leave whatever I'm in the middle of, and I go and I take my 20 or 30 minutes and I lie in the bathtub. I shared, I do occasionally bring my laptop and watch <laughs> something on Netflix um, just to get a little bit of downtime. And, and you know, when you're, when you're just a busy person, mm -hmm. it can be really hard to find that time. And I now make the time. There's no more finding it anymore because I would never find it. It'd be like my car keys. Yeah. I'd be looking forever and it would <laughs> never show up. So I've just started owning um, a chunk of time every night. Um, yeah. I also go to the gym. So I have uh, a lunch break every day at work and I usually use it to move my body in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So I go and I lift weights from time to time. I don't know how great I look doing it, but I feel super <laughs> strong. Uh, I run a lot. Mm. Um, I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm a distance runner. So I'll often try to jump out and do a you know, a 45 minute run or something at lunchtime just to get moving and clear my head a little bit. Exercise yeah. has been very instrumental for me in dealing with my anxiety because it 
sometimes manifests itself into being overly energetic. Mm. I'm like buzzing and I can't sit still and I'm fidgety. I'm fidgeting now. Um, So I'm a very fidgety person. And so moving my body really helps with that. Eating well Mm -hmm. uh, is another big one. I can always tell. And even I love me a glass of wine, but I do find that, you know, going out for a few glasses of wine really impacts my mood the next day. So just being really aware of what I'm putting into my body as much as what I'm putting out in my day to day. So, Mm -hmm. you know, watching those things really closely. Uh, I love to go to bed early mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get up early. I'm I'm a morning person. That's mm-hmm. when I'm at my best. So I tend to go to bed around 9.30 or 10. Um, I kick my partner out of the house a couple of times a week. He goes and does his thing, <laughs> which gives him a chance to decompress. Yeah. Um, my son, you know, we had, we used to, not so much now, but we used to take 30 minutes when we came home from school and work mm-hmm. in our separate rooms. Nice. And like didn't talk to one another and just totally decompressed from having a day that had been very busy. And then we'd come together and talk about what was really good about our day. Was there anything that happened? More so for my son, but did anything happen today that made you feel badly? Or mm. what was the best thing that happened today? Or how one of my favorite things to ask him now as he's been dealing with anxiety is what did you do to make someone else's day better today? Yeah, and that's so great. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and he he's such a great kid and he is very, very aware of others. He's working on his self-awareness, as we all are. <laughs> yeah. But he's very aware of other people and and he'll often come and say, are you okay today, mommy? Or is there something that's making you feel sad? And I want us to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I think the biggest tool in my toolbox is communication and being able to look at my partner and say, I'm really overwhelmed right now. I need you to do X, Y, Z. And sometimes it can be, I need you to take care of parenting tonight. I need you to single parent tonight and I need to just go out and read a book on the deck or go for a walk or go talk to my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Um, And communication is such a an important element in it's how we ask for help. We have to communicate that need. Yeah. So, you know, packaging all of those things together was not an overnight thing. It took, (laughs) (laughs) it has taken me, you know, really eight years when I think back on my son's birth and feeling overwhelmed then it's taken me eight years to really find what works for me, Mm -hmm. but always remembering it might not work for me eight years down the road. So trying to be aware of how things are changing. I mentioned before, I can always tell when my anxiety is getting a little out of hand because I get very mean. I become nitpicky and I call it stabby. So I'm just not nice to be around. And when I start feeling myself getting to that kind of angry, things that shouldn't make me angry or making me angry is to take a step back and figure out what it is that's bothering me and how I can improve the situation for myself so I don't drive those around me uh, you know, to dislike being around me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, we talked about how in many cases we can tell when a child is feeling mm-hmm. anxious by their behavior. Yes. And so you've identified that self-awareness in self yeah. that now you can recognize it in self. Yes. Even though you may not have felt it. Yeah. To get what was going on for you, you know, by how you're engaging with others that there's something triggering that anxiety. And that's so important to your self-awareness because if you don't know, you can't change it. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I 
I see that with my son a lot too. And I often think, you know, I had wonderful parents by no stretch am I knocking anything they did because they are and continue to be absolute rock stars. <laughs> but because they had never experienced anxiety, they couldn't recognize anxiety in me. Yeah. And they couldn't recognize it in my younger brother. But I see it in my son so often. It's sort of like mm-hmm. the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I mean, that is he and I. Mm-hmm. And and remembering not only for him, but also for me, that anxiety doesn't always look the same. That's right. So, and particularly from person to person. And we sort of have this, almost like a cartoon image of someone like, you know, chewing their nails and they're hiding behind the closed curtains. That's not anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety is and can be so many different things. So I always say my son can be like a ticking time bomb Mm. and he might be very uh, emotionally unstable and he just totally loses it, Mm -hmm. completely loses his cool and he's shouting and he's really angry or he might also be really withdrawn or he might lash out at a kid or not want to play or not eat or waking up through the night. So kind of pinpointing all of those things can be really hard because I never know what it might be. And we kind of go through and, oh my gosh, he's being really difficult today. <laughs> and kind of, we had to really rewire ourselves to say, not he's being really difficult today, but he's dealing with something that's difficult today. Yeah. And knowing that his behavior is a direct correlation to something that he's dealing with himself in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the language is so important. It's like, Um, You know, I really try to help people understand that there's not good emotions and bad emotions. All emotions have value. But if we say to individuals, oh, that's a bad emotion, Mm -hmm. then we equate when we start to feel it, we almost feel bad that we're having that emotion because it's recognized as something not good. Yeah. And and that, you know, comes to, oh, well, we have to hide it. It's bad. Yeah. And so recognizing that all emotion has value, but it's being able to identify why you're feeling that emotion so that you can, one, um, when it comes up for you again, potentially identify what the trigger was, uh, but come up with solutions so that you can acknowledge it learn from it, and then move forward. Absolutely. Not get stuck in that uh, whole, you know, I'm going to lay in bed all day and be yeah. cranky, cranky and anxious and da-da-da-da instead of thinking, well, why, why am I why feeling, am I feeling this, this way? way? Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. And so in regards to self-awareness, mm-hmm. so this has been an eight-year journey for yes, you. Yes, a 30-year journey, but yeah. <laughs> Really yes, honing in. <laughs> Been really honing in lately. So, you know, and that never ends. No. As we know, we can develop self-awareness to infinity and beyond. Absolutely. If we choose to engage in development. But what would you say is kind of the number one thing that sticks out for you that you have learned or that you utilize now to help you grow further? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I ask for feedback a lot. Mm. Um, it's something I learned in sports when I was younger and, you know, it, it helps with me professionally as well. And so I'll often ask my partner or my loved ones or my friends to give me feedback if I feel like maybe I haven't shown up the way that I would want to show up. Nice. Um, so 
And I know it probably initially felt very uncomfortable for people to say, well, you know, you were really useless when it came to, you know, I was going through something and I couldn't, didn't feel like I could talk to you about it, or you Mm -hmm. felt a little bit closed off and then recognizing, well, I really wanted to be there for you as a friend, but I was dealing with something. So I did totally shut down and kind of went into my little shell. And so Mm -hmm. little things like that, that I have started to kind of ask someone, how, how could I be better at XYZ or what could I do to be more supportive in this way? Or, or how do you feel I handled that situation and things so on and so forth? Because I do want to grow and be better every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree with feedback. I'm a big proponent of Mm -hmm. of it as well. As long as you can find people that one, you feel safe with. Yes. And, um, that, you know, they're going to give, provide you with constructive criticism. Absolutely. And not just being nasty. Yeah. Um, but. That's it, what Twitter's for. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we learn different things about ourself that, again, what, like we were saying, all strategies are different. You need Absolutely. to find out what works for you and what works now may not work eight mm-hmm. years down the road. Um, but having that, that willingness to have people share with you how they perceive you is so important because often our reality is based on our own perception. Absolutely. And until you get somebody else's perception on how you're engaging, you may not be able to change anything because you don't know any different. Yeah. For sure. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Ashley and uh, about mental health and mental illness. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, the owner of Pick Empowerment. And this is CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. In the final segment of Mental Health, Let's Talk About It on CIOE 97.5 FM, Ashley McGinnis and I are going to continue our conversation about mental health and mental illness. And so I want to end the show off with uh, Ashley and I discussing what advice can we give others who are type A personalities. (laughs) So we like to go, 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 and sometimes not really look after ourselves. So what advice do you have for individuals out there like ourselves? Uh, Yes. Um, I often would hear from my family and friends, don't spread yourself so thin. Mm. You know, maybe you're taking on a little bit too much. And now I put a lot of value into that. Um, I've recognized in myself an occasional inability to see when I'm taking on a little more than I'm really able to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when someone does say, are you sure you have time for that? I actually do really self-reflect on whether or not I have time for it. Yeah, Uh, I'm a yes woman. So someone asks me to do X, Y, Z. I say, yeah, sure. No problem without really thinking it through. So I've gotten very good at the, can I get back to you on that? Oh, nice. Yeah, and and then it works out really well because sometimes people take that as a no and they just find someone else to do it and I'm completely off the hook, which is fantastic. Yes, everybody learned that one. Can I get back to you? Yeah, let me me check my schedule or let me get back to that. I have a bad habit of double booking myself for things. Hmm. Uh, So I had, yeah, so you know, (laughs) that's funny. We've, We've done that here. 
there. Yeah. Just once or twice. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, as I mentioned, I had LASIK eye surgery two weeks ago and I mm-hmm. happened to book that on the Wednesday before the Friday that my friend was getting married. And it was also the Thursday when I was supposed to fly out to a conference in Ontario. And so it was sort of all of these things, one on top of the other, because I just said, yeah, sure. That date's fine. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then we're getting a little closer. I'm like, wait a minute, I can't be in three places at once. That's yes. not that's not going to work. Yeah. Um. So really, really evaluating what I want as well is mm-hmm. very important. I don't, I don't really want to ref soccer. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in that at all. Yeah. Um. So really saying yes to things that are going to add value to my life and help me be happier or better yeah. as a person as opposed to kind of saying yes for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten very good, as I said, at asking for help. Mm-hmm. Um, very good in compared to where I used to be, I guess, would be. It's progress, not perfection, That's right? right. So, yes. and And then also living that. I'm a perfectionist. So mm-hmm. trying to adjust to the progress, not perfection sort yeah. of attitude. Um, not being, I think if someone is feeling overwhelmed to acknowledge that that's totally okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to continue to let yourself not be okay. Beautiful. So, so really asking someone for help, if you don't feel you have someone who you can ask, um, the mental health foundation here in Nova Scotia is extraordinary. We reached out to them actually through work. Mm -hmm. Um, we're a very proud sponsor in my company of the organization. And we had them come in and talk about their initiatives. We now have a beautiful ceiling tile, um, Mm -hmm. through their mental health above all initiative. And that really helped bring more awareness of mental health to our office. And and it's the really little things. It's checking in with one another, asking people how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very often the people who we don't think need help or who may not be struggling with something who actually are, and they're doing it quietly. Yeah. So They got a good mask on. They do, and, and maybe they do have lots of strategies in place to help themselves, but they might also just need an empathetic ear mm-hmm. to listen to them. So kind of checking in with people, again, asking for feedback. I do a lot of that. So looking at my partner and saying, hey, I had a really stressful week last week. What what could I do better next week? Or you had a really stressful week last week and I had a stressful week. Mm. How can we together Support kind of make other. that a little bit easier if we're yeah. instead of both of us going to bed at 930 frazzled, how can we <laughs> how can we kind of help support one another in a very comfortable and empowering way? Mm. Yeah. And, and I think one of the biggest things for me and you know, uh, you talked about accepting the imperfect. Yeah. That's something that I've been working on with my social emotional intelligence is not expecting perfection of self, being able to put, you know, a video out that I know has one or two mistakes in it. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's okay. That's, That's being human. Yeah, exactly. And the other big thing for me was not comparing myself to others. Yes. Social media has created a highlight reel. Mm. And we forget that we're looking at people's highlight reel and we're not looking at when they're down in the trenches and their kid just threw a shoe at them and the yep. dog threw up on the carpet. We're just seeing their beautiful vacation photo, mm-hmm. you know, at the beach and everybody looks great. We don't always remember all of the hiccups that led up to that. You know, maybe they took 75 photos to get that one where everyone was looking the same direction. And, yeah. and I think we have 
we have unfortunately created this world where we are comparing ourselves to one another and we're mm-hmm. posting things on on Facebook or, or LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, whatever it may be. And when we aren't seeing any uptake from it, mm-hmm. well, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Or the last one did really well. What was different about this one? And we mm-hmm. start to feel badly about it instead of saying this Today, I did my best. Yeah. I may not have been the best, but I did my best today. Yeah. And and for me, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm meeting all these amazing individuals who are, you know, really doing groundbreaking work. And I think some of these people have three kids on top of, and I don't have children. So that's the big thing, you know, cause people say to me, you must be really busy. Well, I am busy, but if I do the comparison, I'm not. Yeah. Right. And then I start to be, well, I need to do more and blah, 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 yeah. blah. And so, you know, again, what is my energy level? Mm-hmm. Um, and what am I used to? And what is my perspective? And it's not about the other people. Yeah. And what does success look like to you? Exactly. Cause it might not be what success looks like to someone else. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I know a big thing that we talk about and, you know, is part of the show is, so how do we uh, assist the next generation to overcome the stigmas that we have yeah. experienced regarding our mental illness? So how do we help the next generation overcome that and be mentally healthy. Yeah. Well, I mentioned to you before, I really hope that my generation is the last generation that's mm. experiencing this stigma. And I can, I look out and I see things are so different now compared to how they were a number of years ago in so many areas. Yeah. And, you know, thinking of high risk populations like our um, our gay and lesbian population, the trans population, like these people are now feeling empowered and I mm. want to keep seeing that groundswell happening. And, you know, I look at my son as a perfect example of, I grew up with a nuclear family, mm-hmm. mom, dad, two kids, dog, cat, two cars, whatever. Yeah. My son grew up with a single mom for most of his life. And so he really has the understanding that every family looks different. Yeah. And, you know, seeing even the stigma there of being a single parent has now gone by the wayside. Single family households are one of the biggest, or single parent households, I should Mm. say, are one of the biggest demographics. It's the norm now. Um, So I want talking about mental health to become the norm. I Mm. want my son to be able to say, I have anxiety, or I'm feeling anxious, or I've experienced depression, and not have it be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So many hardworking people are unfairly targeted Mm-hmm. I will say, um, for saying, and I will be totally honest, I was terrified to tell my manager that I was going off on stress leave. Yeah, I worried that I wouldn't have a job when I came back. I was kind of leaning on this, well, I guess they can't really fire me, right? <laughs> they, can't, they can't do that. And in fact, she was so supportive. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that as that kind of continues and as shows like this are happening and these conversations are taking place more loudly and in public and we're screaming it from the rooftops that mm. the next generation won't have to kind of pick up the torch and fight because the war will really be over. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, I guess what keeps us going and being willing to share our story and have those hard conversations um, and, in, and encourage kids to be okay with their emotions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and to come up with, you know, 
to reflect, to get that self-awareness, which we know is so key to our mental health, mm-hmm. um, but to start filling up their toolbox yeah. with strategies, yeah. you know, and, and the best way to do that is to talk to other people. Cause like you said, even though you and I come on the show, we're talking about our coping strategies. Yeah. They may not work for somebody else, but somebody may hear one thing and go, you know what? give that a go yeah maybe I'll move my bedtime half an hour earlier this week and then I'll move it a half an hour earlier next week and just Mm -hmm. get a little more sleep it it really is these small things yeah that we can do to really have an enormous impact on our overall well-being yeah and I remember when we worked together like four years ago and you were sleeping like five hours and you were coming in and you were toast and I was like you know, can you keep maintaining this? It's okay. Yeah, for the answer short- was no. Yeah. <laughs> the narrator comes in. She could not maintain that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, you were bubbly, you were active, you were passionate, but you were draining yourself. Yeah. I lost that. Yeah. It was very disheartening to mm-hmm. feel like I had lost that. Yeah. And, and again, hard lesson. It was. Yep. But you're happier now. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, ex- and I, you know, I don't expect to live in a constant state of happiness. No. So remembering that I'm going to have really <laughs> bad days and I'm going to have day, you know, I'm going to, I might cry later today. Who knows? Yeah. Never know what's going to happen, but recognizing that I can't, I can't just be even keel all the time. There's always going to be dips and valleys. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners as we get ready to sign off? Um, I think that I would say what I wish I had been able to hear when it was said to me, which is to really remember that you have to take care of you before Mm -hmm. you can take care of someone else, Um, particularly to all of the moms out there. And we all do it. And we put ourselves at the very bottom of the list is to move yourself up even just a few notches Mm -hmm. um, every day and keep moving yourself up. Because when you've really taken good care of yourself, you can do great things and live the best life that you possibly can. Yeah, and be the role model you need to be for Absolutely. your children. Absolutely, yep. For and sure. to their and to their friends mm. and to your community at large, really, because we don't know what role models other people have. Yeah, yeah so sort of, you don't have to be that for everybody and don't feel like you have to, but, but to know that it's okay to say, hey, I'm not okay today and I'm going to do something to feel better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Ashley. Thank you for having me. So you've been listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it with myself, Charlene Pickram. And I'd like to thank my co-producer in there, Georgina Fitzpatrick, for giving it a go on the uh, producing end of things. And I hope you all will be well.